Hey, Anthony, it's that time again. To make a sequel to Avatar? Yeah, yeah, wait, no. No, not at all. Then what? It's time to make the podcast. Oh, oh, oh yeah, that thing. Once again, we have reached that time of the week. Time to dive into the movies we love and the movies we wish we could forget. Pitting them against each other to receive praise uh, or hatred. Based on a scale of our choosing. So let's jump into it. This is the Double Feature Podcast. Okay, perfect. And then... All right, I'm recording. Okay, so whenever you're ready. Okay, ready? Um, okay, one, two. Hey, folks, welcome to another episode of Double Feature Versus, where we have uh, double the films, uh, double the uh, mentally disturbed vigilantes, and uh, the filmmakers who bring them to life. Yeah. <laughs> this is definitely it? a great set of movies, I think. Because uh, it's two movies that are like almost to the dot similar in its premise. So it's definitely probably one of the closest comparisons we've ever done so far. Um, I think so, but for different reasons, but I'll, I'll get into that later. Um, you want to start off with Defender? Oh, yeah. Well, Defendor. Defendor. Yeah, he hates it when you say it uh, with an E. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, all right. So this is um, this is both of our first time watching this uh, film, and um, today, folks, we're doing Defendor versus Super. Um, both about um, vigilante. Well, we're both about men um, who become vigilantes uh, to take down crime. So. Uh, What'd you feel about this movie, man? Uh, I was actually very surprised by it, and I really enjoyed it. So Woody Harrelson plays the lead part of Defendor. Uh, I can't remember what his actual name was in the movie, but I remember... Arthur Poppington. Arthur Poppington. That was it. And... So he is a vigilante trying to bring down Captain Industry, uh, who is, he believes to be the person that killed his mom. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So the entire movie is, he's already kind of established at the very beginning of the movie as uh, this vigilante. So he already has his kind of suit with, which is basically just a black suit. shirt with a, the letter D in like duct tape written on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then there is uh, just black pants. He has a helmet with a camera on it that records the VHS. It's <laughs> it's a very, very lo-fi kind of like suit. <laughs> right, right. And, um, you know, um, Arthur is a little he's a little mentally challenged as well. Um, yeah. He's, you know, go ahead. Yeah, he, he's definitely, he's not diagnosed mentally challenged, but he's definitely a little bit uh, he's slower on slow at picking side. up like emotion and everything like that. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, uh, you, you got anything else to say uh, about this? Or um, how, how did you want to go about, did you want to describe the whole movie? Or you want to just talk about like overall what you thought? Let, let's get into some parts of the movie because this okay. movie has some pretty crazy scenes. Uh, like how we're first introduced to him as Defendor when he takes down an undercover cop in mm-hmm. that is, uh, what was it? He was with a prostitute at the beginning, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, his, his name was Dooney, played by Elias Cotillas. Who's I, I really like. I really like that actor. I've seen him in other stuff. Uh, Woody Harrelson, of course, is the lead. Um, but yeah, we when we first see him, we see him in a flash forward with a psychiatrist played by Sandra Oh. Oh, that's right. Yeah, because uh, most of the movie takes place in a flashback. Right, because she's trying to figure out, uh, like, okay, like, why did you assault this guy, which we learn later why he assaulted him, like, what, what led to this... And then we see him, you know, uh, tailing the corrupt detective that's with uh, Kat Jennings, who's playing a prostitute named Angel. Yes. So we're introduced to these are basically the three main characters in the movie. So throughout the entire movie, you see Defendor kind of taking down uh, different people that he deems as, you know, criminals and everything like that. Uh, Typically like drug dealers, kind of stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And he does it in his own way, uh, very vigilante, where he has a club and he also uses marbles and hornets. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, some of the fight scenes made me chuckle a little bit. You know, like I smiled a little bit like, OK, this seems like something a guy like this would do. Yeah. You know, oh, it's um, just hilarious when he like pulls the dude out of the car and then he just throws a handful of marbles at him and then <laughs> right. he pulls out then this club and just knocks him unconscious. And it's like, okay, so so what were the marbles for again? <laughs> yeah. You know, um, I gotta be honest, man. I I I like the concept of this movie, but it really came off as boring to me. Really? Yeah, like I wasn't, I wasn't engaged with this film as much. I, I, um, I feel like Woody Harrelson does give a committed performance, um, but I just felt like the material was just. I don't think it's a horrible movie. I don't think it's great. I just think it's just okay. Oh, see, I really enjoyed it because there's some great humor in this. Like when he's being interrogated and everything like that, and uh, the one police officer is talking to the chief and goes, so. We have no idea who he is. Uh, he's being very vague on everything, and he goes right. by the name Defendor. Uh, that's with an O-R. Uh, he gets really upset when you say Defender, so, you know, just keep that in mind. And then when it ends, you know, just give him back his marbles and let him go. <laughs> yeah, like, like I, um, I don't know, man. It's like, it's like the, hum- the humor was there. But I think maybe it was just me. Maybe I just kind of like, like I said, I chuckled in some scenes where I was like, I'm, I'm kind of like, I, I don't, I don't really feel anything for this character, or you know, um, you know, Cat Denning's character, who's like, you know, his, uh, no, nah, I don't want to say his, his, uh, well, kind of like his, um, and what's the word for it? Like the Robin to his Batman, the sidekick. Uh, yeah, his sidekick. You know I what wouldn't I mean? say that she was a sidekick at all. 
Uh, she basically she was, was using him. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. She was she was using him uh, in the beginning, and then she comes around and admits it. Like, yo, I was I was just using you. Like, really, don't do this. Don't go after this mobster guy because he, they're actually dangerous. And um, I I will give the the film credit where we learn more about you know Defendor's history and why he's after this guy, and uh, just him growing up and you know with the kind of an unfair grandfather. So I'll give the I'll give the story credit on that part. I just felt like. I don't know, man. I just I wasn't really connected to this, but I I, I think the, the film kind of is what it is. Yeah, I can say one of like the best things that the film did was the relationship between uh, him and uh, the his boss at the construction site. Oh, Paul. His yeah, friend Paul. Because yeah. you can tell that, you know, Paul really cares about him. And he's like, I want to make sure that you're safe. You know, come to me if you ever need anything. You know, I got this. And even in court, he went up and, like, defended him, you know, just as yeah. a uh, attendee, not even, like, as a lawyer or a witness or anything like that. So it's – you can definitely t- – and he even allows him to stay with him, you know, when he's right. uh, kicked out of uh, – or. He, when he is basically being told he has to go to prison or, you know, find a place, he gives him that place to live. Yeah, there is a connection in their relationship. Um, there, yeah. There's a connection in there. I, I, yeah, I agree with that. Um, the climactic uh, showdown. Um, I, well, I, 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 I gotta say the one, the, the one scene that kind of made me chuckle uh, in the, in the climactic uh, uh, fight was uh, when the bees get hot. Before the bees jump out, the marvels just fall out. Of the oh truck yeah, just standing there like, and then they just like blindly shoot the truck, and then the bees come out, and they're like, "What the? F- ah!" And they start waving, they start waving their hands, getting uh, the wasps, not the bees. Uh, they start waving their arms, getting bitten by the wasps. And you know that? Like, like I said, I, I had chuckles from this movie. I didn't have outright laughs, um, but I felt like. Uh, you know, the showdown, it kind of is what it is. I guess the one mobster evil guy kind of didn't know his mama and probably was responsible for her death. Um, but I, I don't know, man. I, I I don't know. I didn't like this. Really? Because I enjoyed this one. I thought it had some good laughs. I enjoyed kind of the little moments that were outside of the action and stuff. Uh, it, even when he was talking to the psychiatrist and stuff like that, is that going to be on the quiz later? No, there is no quiz. Then, then why are you right, testing right. me? <laughs> right, right, right. So, uh, are you Japanese? Uh, no. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. Like I, I get it. Like I said, I had some chuckles. Um, I, I like I said, I don't think it's a horrible movie. I just, I just think it's just okay to me. Oh, see, I, I uh, definitely enjoyed this one because, uh, you know, every little interaction that Woody Harrelson's character has with every person is like gold in a different level. Uh, like when he's talking to the cop the second time that he like runs into him and they're like beating up the one kid uh, who is graffitiing the wall. And he stops them and everything like that. And, you know, you need a ghostwriter. You need a ghostwriter for your lines. And he's like, what are you even saying? Right. What is going on? And then he just holds up like a bottle of hornets. And he's like, what is that? 
hornets. What? <laughs> and he just throws in. They start like attacking and everything. It just. It, I think that there's a lot of great setup with this movie for yeah, some of the yeah. jokes. And if you're not paying attention to some of the setup, the joke will go right over your head. That's my thing. I I don't think some scenes land. Like 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 some of the jokes land. Some don't. Like some violent moments land. Some don't. Like like the scene where we got Cat Dennings with um uh the the corrupt detective. And she 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 shoots him in a crouch. I'm like, oh, okay, that's a little out of, out of left field, but all right. And then next time, and then in, in the next scene, she's like, yeah, I shot him in the nuts. And you know, like I'm like, eh, that joke didn't really land. But like, cause it was such a like a serious, intense scene that kind of like, oh, haha, I shot him in the nuts. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I don't feel like some scenes in this film are kind of earned through its misjuggle of tones. Yeah, but, it's um, by no means perfect, but a lot of yeah, the stuff yeah. land enough of it lands that I was laughing enough in this movie to enjoy it. And some of the lines and everything are just you know, I, I still love that ghostwriter line of you need a ghostwriter for your lines. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Um right, right. I I I think the one exchange I like from that scene is like uh like do you write your own dialogue? Like like who writes your dialogue? I do. And then they see the ghostwriter. Yeah. They had a ghostwriter exchange. <laughs> like, again, like, you know, it was a chuckle. Yeah. Um, yeah, uh, I give it, I got, it's a, it's, it's a, it's a no for me, dog. I, I give it, I give it a two out of five. Really? Wow. Uh, I, I, know, I, I thought that the I acting tried... on this one was like top not like Woody Harrelson got into that role. Cat Dennings got into that committed. role. Yeah, um, I mean, yeah. Woody was committed, just like Cuba Gunn Jr. was committed in radio, but radio was radio. Yeah, you true. Know, like, like um, I, I don't know, man. Um, like I said, the acting wasn't bad. I just feel like the film was just, you know, it was just high to me. You know, I'm, I'm glad you liked it more. Um, but yeah, it's a no for me, dog. Yeah, I, I, I put this one at like a three point five out of five. That's generous, man. That's that's generous. I, I that's really did enjoy generous. this movie. I think it's Woody that made you go over. With it, the it, it definitely Woody's performance and the way he like gave every single line of dialogue and everything. Like even I'm bulletproof. Go ahead, shoot me. They just bounce right off. <laughs> just his entire performance made this movie. If he had somebody else in that hey. role, I don't think the movie would have stood up as well. Hey, did I miss something? Uh, when he gets shot. Um, by the um the one of the black henchmen, um, so so what? It was a paint gun. Like what? what, what no, like, they were uh, training bullets. So they're the training oh. bullets that they give to police officers, and that's how they knew that he was an undercover cop. Is because he had access to the report from uh, his hospital, where you know he went to the hospital and he had like the welts from like the training bullets and everything like that. And the lead mob boss had access to that because of the corrupt undercover cop. And then he knew that the other guy was an undercover cop because that's the only way he would have access to those kind of, like, ammunition. So that's why he shot him. So, yeah, there there was a little bit of dialogue that uh, you just didn't connect or you didn't hear from that part. But that's where he knew that he was uh, an undercover cop is because he had used... Like training ammunition. 
Yeah. All right. All right. I got you. Um, yeah. All right. That was the only scene where I was kind of like had questions about. But um, all right. Uh, two versus three point five. Um, all right. <laughs> I know you I don't agree with two, it, but that's, I that's... can't go above a two. I can't. <laughs> um. All right, folks. Are you 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 want to move on? Oh yeah, we can move on to the James Gunn. This is his second movie. Yeah, right? this was after Slither. Yeah, um, this was after Slither. So this was his second movie ever produced. Well, no, ever directed. Um, That's right, a, directed. Yes, because he he was writing before this. He start he cut his teeth on a uh, trauma films, and uh, he wrote Dawn of the Dead, um, Zack Snyder's remake. Oh, and the Scooby Doo this. movies, the live action yeah. Scooby Doo. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Scooby Doo too. Yep. Um, yeah. So like, this is like his uh, his second second film that he wrote and directed. Uh, Super. Uh, uh, this is before Guardians, actually. Like, yes. Like, yeah, yeah. Um, so this is a fucked up movie, man. It is. It's so messed <laughs> up. I I love this one. This one is probably even with like Guardians of the Galaxy and Belko Experiment and everything else by James Gunn that I absolutely love. I think Super is my favorite James Gunn movie overall. Yeah, when I um when I first saw this, um I remember when I first saw it, I really liked it. Um but again, like and, and this this is just me because I'm I'm going to get into this. Um when I first saw this, this is 2010, so I was like 17 years old, 10 years ago. I really liked a lot of things that were like that were like that had like huge shock value. Mm-hmm. So like and this was one of them. Um, looking back at it today, I kind of have different feelings, but just run down the summary. Um, uh, we got Rain Wilson, who is, uh, stars as Frank Darbo, uh, short order cook. Um, he, he, he has this vision where God, uh, chooses him as the chosen one to fight against crime. Once his wife, uh, played by Liv Tyler, um, you know, uh, who, who was a recovering addict, you know, gets, uh, taken by Kevin Bacon, who's a mobster and kind of makes her into like a you know a, a drug addict again and this kind of propels him to feel like he's touched by god to like fight crime with a um uh a, a, a handmade red costume and a uh a wrench, it a wrench or and it, a wrench it's it's a wrench he literally fights crime using a wrench and he has the was- best catchphrase out of any like superhero ever of shut up crime <laughs> Listen, man, I, um, I, <laughs> let me say something, man. I, I love Rain Wilson, uh, but I want to say, dude, I, I don't think Kevin Bacon can do no wrong, dude. I really oh, no. love him in it, in anything he's in. Like, like when he first shows up, he's like, oh, he's the, you cooking eggs? Hey, you mind if I try some eggs? He says, well, yeah, no, here you go. You cooking something? Oh man, that sounds real good right now. Do you mind if I have some, you know, right. what are these? These are some brown eggs? <laughs> And I, and I love how you, you you tie back into that later because like like he was like because um, Rain Wilson was like oh I, I I don't know and then later on when he confronts him outside his club he was like hey it's me with the brown eggs oh they were brown they were brown eggs yeah cool <laughs> <laughs> like I I love like like uh, Kevin Baker's charisma but yeah. um overall um I wanted to say you could argue in this film like this dude really didn't like really like go overboard or lose his mind till the moment uh he uh 
he whacked the dude who cut in line. Yes. So up until that point, the entire time you you're just going, him. yeah, he, like, he's being a hero. He's he's doing good. You know, this isn't right. a, so much of a bad guy. And then he kills a dude who cuts in line and knocks. I don't think he, killed, he, he was pretty oh, close to death. They went to the ICU. Oh, did, I thought that they said that he died in one of the news things. Nah, but like, okay, drug dealers, sure. Molesters, sure. But cutting in line, that dude deserved a, a bitch smack at most. Yeah. Uh, I think the best part is leading up to that scene is uh, the guy like behind him is going, I can't believe this. I hate this. We've been waiting in line for this entire time. And this guy just cuts in line in front of us all. And the funny thing is... At the time, Rain Wilson's character is actually waiting in line holding a spot for two other people to join him later. So the exact same thing. <laughs> right. And so. Did, oh, my goodness. I didn't even catch that. Who, who was he waiting on? Uh, the uh, side cook from the restaurant, him and his wife were coming to oh, the theater yeah, yeah. because they invited him out and they were like, well, since you're not doing anything, just wait at the theater for us and uh, you can get us a good spot in line then. Oh man, that makes that scene more dark. Yeah, <laughs> he was doing the same thing. He, he was literally holding his spot in line so he could end up doing the same thing with someone else. And you know, yeah, th- there's different levels to this one, man. You, <laughs> it is, and uh, we got um, we got we got Elliot Page, um, uh, formerly uh, Ellen Page, uh, yes, as the uh, as the sidekick in the film or the aspiring sidekick, a uh, uh, Libby. And um, her character, she, uh, well, I mean, Libby, the, the the female character in the movie. Um, what, how'd you feel about Libby? I I actually enjoyed. Uh, well, I was always a fan of Ellen Page. Now Elliot Page. Right. So anytime that he appears in a movie, I absolutely love it. Uh, you know, especially like even with the new like Umbrella Academy when he was cast in that, I absolutely loved it. Uh, so I, I've been a pa- fan of Paige since Juno. So, mm-hmm. uh, I, I, I want to say that him being in this movie is actually what, you know, got me to watch it in the first place, you know, cause it was like, Oh, there's this like superhero vigilante movie with, uh, you know, Ellen Page at the time. And it was like, okay, I got to watch that. And I fell in love with it ever since then. <laughs> Yeah, I um okay, yeah, I can agree with that. Um I felt like I I was more engaged with with um Frank's relationship with her more so than Defendor's relationship with Cat Jennings character. Oh, 100%. They well, had they had more engaging, you know, over the top, not over the top. They had more engaging chemistry and a more foil a great like like foil relationship than the previous film. Um, yeah, because with uh, Defendor and Cat Jennings' character, Angel, uh, basically their conversations go, you shouldn't do drugs. And her responding, well, make me. You know, they make me feel good. There's nothing else that'll do that. And then that's their entire relationship. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> Whereas, you know, we, we see a dark side to um, to Libby's character in this film as she you know, uh, learns to fight crime alongside Frank and, you know, kind of becomes like, like, like kind of a live wire, um, which I think, Oh, she's uh, entirely psychotic in this movie. She is. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, you know, overall, man, I, 
looking at this film now from when I saw it 10 years ago, I feel like, you know, at a certain age, you like things that are shocking just to be shocking. I feel like there is an audience for this film. And I want to say James Gunn, we we know he's a talented filmmaker. Oh, yeah. You know, we, we know storytelling wise and especially directing wise, even from a gory, bloody sense. He, he's very talented with that. Um, like I know like this film has crude animation, you know, just very crude moments in general. But it, it, it has it with panache. It has it with style. You know what I mean? So I, I, I give him that. Um, I don't know, man. The 27 year old introspective cinephile in me i i don't think i'm the audience for this film but i respect it oh see i still love this movie i still thought that the jokes landed uh the awkwardness was just perfectly timed as always i i still fully enjoyed this movie uh there are some scenes that i feel like i definitely laughed at more 10 years ago than i did this time yeah like some scenes in the Again, you know, I respect it. The audience is, is for a specific audience. Like, there's yeah. some scenes where I'm like, really, man? Like, like you know, where he, where uh, the, the the agent is at his door and he has, like, like thoughts in his head of getting arrested and mm-hmm. getting full-on raped. And I'm like, really? We, we, we got to go there? Really? Yeah. Yeah, but, there's some, know. like, dialogue in some scenes that you can tell are, like, early or, like almost 2010 like early writing days uh you you can tell that there's definitely some of this like very early james gunn humor because he used to have a huge like very dark sense of humor oh yeah he he worked on some demented stuff but you know that was that was his artistic you know sensibilities you know that's there's an audience for that you know but uh yeah yeah, and a little bit of that does show up in this movie. It is not, like, fully the new James Gunn behind Guardians of the Galaxy. Uh, right. But you can still get a sense of, like, this was definitely written by the same guy as Guardians of the Galaxy for some scenes. You know, you, you mm-hmm. get that idea that, like, Libby is just Rocket Raccoon, you know, <laughs> in human form at some points. Right, right. Um, I, I feel like we know what Rain Wilson do. This is one of those guys who I know, like from watching The Office, I can tell he's 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 a very funny guy. He's a very physically funny guy, too. But mm-hmm. he was never really given the right role in Hollywood. Like the rocker was just OK. But I feel like this is the film that if it had if it was more if it was geared more towards mainstream audiences and I don't want to change James Gunn's artistic sensibility, but maybe if it was made by a different director with a different kind of tone, I feel like this would have this would have skyrocketed him like Steve Carell skyrocketed in his Hollywood career. Oh yeah, like because yeah, because Rain Wilson's a very talented, funny dude. Like um, he could probably even do drama, but I feel like this was the one role in his in his career that's like okay, he was the perfect leading man for this. Well, he did do drama with uh, that one TV show. It lasted uh, a season, maybe two se- um Backstrom. Right, and, and it lasted how long? Yeah, it, it, it was very short lived. <laughs> but he was no, good I in it. Hear what you're saying? Yeah, yeah. Um, I hear what you're saying, man. But uh, I, I feel like beyond that, like I, I, I always wanted to see him do more, and he still is working. I think he plays Lex Luthor in the DC animated films now. But um, I've always wanted to see him do more and be more of a leading man. But, you know, Hollywood never threw him that bone. Right. Yeah, he's not getting the same uh, benefit as uh, I'm trying to remember what his name is. Uh, Jim from The Office. Um, oh, John Krasinski. 
Krasinski, that's it. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. With the whole, you know, alien well, be quiet movies. Well, he's a, he's he's interesting because he took the route of being a director. You know, when he when he directed himself in a, a quiet place, like the he took a more interesting route. Like even Ed Helms kind of has like a you know with the hangover films you know he kind of gained more notoriety i just wanted rain wilson to kind of get that same shine right it's them hopefully sometime he'll get an opportunity like that but he's he's starting to get up there yeah. in age now as Not well too late yeah um but um overall man i i feel like the one thing that kind of like um turns this film around for me is uh the epilogue I feel like I feel like this film has a great epilogue. Like I oh, love yes, because the entire time he has a single goal, and that's to get his wife back. And right. in the end, he succeeds, but he fails in his like overall goal. He saves her, but you know she ends up leaving him. What five days later? But he, but here's the thing, though, and and this is what I love about the ending. Um, because I love that one scene between him and Kevin Bacon before he stabs him to death, where he says, "What what do you think this is going to do?" Do you really think killing me is going to erase crime? You know, you want to save her, change her then. Like, what do you think this is going to do? He says, I don't know, but I got to try. And then, you know, he kills him. But that's a great question because, you know, in a perfect world, in a non-James Gunn world, you have to ask yourself, like, what what, is, what does really all this do? Mm-hmm. In the end, I think I think this, the, the ending has a great turnaround to it because even though they don't stay together he still did change her life for the better he still is he still is looked at as uncle frank by her kids with her husband like he 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 wasn't the chosen one she was and he had to save her and now he's he's looked at he is the hero for real this time because he saved the woman from you know succumbing back to drugs and almost being raped and just ruining her life to turn herself around so I don't think he loses in the end. I think he I think he wins. Yeah, he definitely still wins, but he kind of failed successfully in his uh initial goal in a way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Cuz he did save her, made- but he didn't, you know, get her back as he was originally intending to do. I hear what you're saying, but I don't I think in re- I think to really think about it, they weren't meant to be together. They were no. meant to be together for these for these chain of events, but they weren't meant to be together. Yeah, and I kind of like how he, I guess, has hung up the uh, crimson bolt kind of like suit, at yeah. least for now. Uh, considering that, what was it? Uh, what was the anti-Superman movie? Um, Brightburn. Brightburn. That was it kind of had a tease of you know him in one of the headlines for some newspaper articles the crimson bolt so we'll see if he ends up coming back to play in a super two or something like that you know i like um i would have been all right with him going with the bunny lady i know he got he he finally does get the bunny in oh him, yeah but the woman that ran the store you know linda um her, what's her actor's name linda card cardinelli i think i i would have been all right with him you know seeing shooting a shot with her but i guess you know whatever he got the rabbit that that's all that yeah. matters <laughs> I, I still love that one scene when he goes into the pet store you know i can't what if i just mess it up and just hands the rabbit back to her and just walks out the look on her face is like perfection of just how that actually would have gone down if somebody just walked right. into a pet store and said that 
Right, right. Because you know, she almost looks like she looks. She looks like she has pity for him. Like, wait, wait, wait. What? Yeah. Why, why would, yeah. Why it's would confused you? pity of just like, what did you just? Oh, what? Oh, oh, that's sad. <laughs> what did you feel the um? What did you feel about the uh the uh the the Bible um? Oh, the that? Holy Avenger, played by yeah, Nathan yeah, Fillion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I absolutely love those segments. Um, (laughs) What was the first one? I put sloth in the tater tots in the uh, whatever else it was. You know, that's why we weren't affected. I don't eat those garbage foods and I pack my own lunch. (laughs) Right. And then the next one, they were about to have sex. Like, I'm going to get rid of these nipple rings. This is not of God. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I, I can't remember what uh how they like did that one but yeah we forgot to do our homework because we were off you know uh they didn't say having sex what did they say they were off like uh something else they would like basically like churchified you know snuggling or something like that (laughs) i don't know i i forgot but yeah i i love those segments i I would totally watch like a web series of the Holy Avenger, <laughs> like just five minute clips of like that same kind of thing. Right. Um, yeah. Overall, I mean, I I am looking at it different with new eyes today. Um, I admire the craftsmanship uh, of, of the film. I give it a light three. Oh, see, this one's a four out of five easy for me. I, I still absolutely love this one. It's one of my favorite James Gunn movies. I see the problems with it and everything like that, and I still absolutely love this one. I had a blast watching it again. Uh, yeah. I, when we actually I, decided to watch this one, I actually watched it probably a couple hours after we <laughs> decided this was going to be one of the movies that we watched for this episode. Yeah, all right. You know, like I said, you know, there's an audience for this. Like, I'm I'm not mad at anyone that does give this a four, but uh, yeah. So yeah, it was um, it's it it was it, it was very engaging. Um, and it entertained me. You know, I I I it goes without saying with me. If we're doing this versus Defendor, I'm 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 picking this because at least this kept me entertained. Yeah, if you gave Defender a better chance than Super, we we would be having a different discussion here. This might be the final episode of the podcast because one of us is walking out alive, <laughs> or only one of us is walking out alive. Yeah, I nah, man, nah. I, I I this one just kept me more entertained. That's just that that's that's just what it is. Period. Point blank. Yeah, this one. I can honestly say it was because of this movie that when I heard that James Gunn had got uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, I got super hyped for that movie. While most people were going, who are the Guardians of the Galaxy? I was just going, you mean James Gunn is behind it? Oh, yeah, this is going to be amazing. I can't wait for this movie. This is going to be great. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, when I heard that he did it, I, I in my mind, I ran through this Slither, which I never really I never really finished Slither, but I've seen different scenes of it. And I knew that I liked it. And uh, Dawn of the Dead. I said, "Oh, okay, yeah, that's 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 a that's that's a uh, that's an interesting choice to direct direct to direct a Marvel film." Yeah, uh, see, Slither. I didn't see until years later. Um, mm. I actually watched Slither probably, maybe even after I saw Guardians of the Galaxy two. It was around that same time that I finally saw that movie. So it was. I knew him from writing the Scooby Doo movies, Dawn of the Dead. 
and uh, then directing this uh, super. I don't think I knew him from anything else. Don't forget Trauma. Don't forget Trauma Studios. Do you know what Trauma is? No. They make a lot of great bad movies. Um, he um, he uh, he worked with them early in his career. I think Eli Roth worked with them as well early in his career. Um, they just they just make a lot of great bad movies, like, oh, okay. like uh, horror films and stuff. Yeah. So I, I didn't know him from that either. I basically knew the guy that wrote uh, Dawn of the Dead and the Scooby Doo movies, and then directed or wrote Super was now doing a Marvel movie, and I was just like, I'm super hyped for this. Mm-hmm. Uh, same way that I felt hyped when he like you know it was sad when he got like kicked off Guardians of the Galaxy and then he announced he was doing the Suicide Squad and I was like okay I'm super pumped for the Suicide Squad now which is a statement yeah. I never thought I'd say after watching Suicide Squad yeah I, I feel like um, yeah dude I feel like that's a that's a boss J.J. Abrams move man when you're directing both Star Trek and Star Wars yeah. you're the man <laughs> you're the man yeah he's now Uh, um, doing the major team up like bad or not i guess anti-hero team up movies for both marvel and dc yeah um yeah i'm glad he got rehired too because like you know um you can't judge me off something i said seven years ago when i'm a different man seven years later or however long it was and you can see that kind of dark sense of humor that he used to have, right. you know, with Super and everything like that. It's it's a it's a different time. It's a different like a lot of the dialogue and it seems dated now as a result. It's 2010 dialogue. Yeah, it's very 2010 like hangover, hot tub time machine, comedy like raunchy humor. Yeah. So um all right, folks. So on top of that, we got a uh, super over Defendor. Uh, who do you think will win, man? Between Super win? and Defendor, or the yeah. Crimson Bolt and Defendor? Right. Are we talking end of the movie Crimson Bolt or beginning of the movie Crimson Bolt? Because that's a different person. Because Defendor got different too. Defender, well, he didn't become different, but he got more skilled as the film went along, as all superheroes do. So, he, overall. Yeah, he got the slingshot, but there's a diff, like beginning of the movie Defender versus beginning of the movie Crimson Bolt. I think Defender would have won. Uh, because he had the Billy Club, he had the marbles, he had the hornets, he had a little bit more variety than just a wrench. Uh, so, you're saying this is bat this is the poor man's batman versus the poor man's iron man pretty much <laughs> but at the very end when like crimson bolt had what was it like he had i guess the spider shot for the razor blades he had an actual gun he had his wrench he had a you know the pipe bombs and everything like that uh it's it, crimson bolt would definitely destroy defender at that point Oh shit! I just came up with something, man. And this is the poor Defendor is the poor man's Batman. Super is the poor man's Iron Man. Because Iron Man has the thing with the heart, you know, the the, mm-hmm. the energy heart or whatever it is. Super had the hand of God touch his brain, so I oh, guess that's yeah. his his heart. So, which oh. is one of the strangest scenes in the movie, still, because he's like being held down by tentacles. They cut his head open, and just the hand of God touches his brain. <laughs> Right. Yeah, it, there's there's so many weird moments in this movie, and I love it, and I cringe at it at the same time, but I love it. 
I'm kind of almost thinking, man, like Defendor was, I mean, I, I'm glad that I at least saw it once, but I'm really thinking we should have did Super versus Kick-Ass. That would have been the better matchup. See, I think we have Kick-Ass matched for something else, though, don't we? Uh, not that I remember. What would, uh, not, uh, I don't remember seeing that on the list. Um, or no, we talked about doing that in like a Nicolas Cage part two. Oh, oh, I mean, we, well, we mentioned it in the Nicolas Cage episode, didn't yeah. we? Oh, well, I mean, that don't count, man. That was just, <laughs> that was just a quick pilot episode. We ran to see how this would go. And we just mentioned Nick Cage and we, you know, we said, oh man, we have chemistry. And then we never talked about it again. Pretty much. Oh no, of course we did. We, we mentioned Nick Cage all the time, but, we, um, we, we still have that soft spot for Nick Cage and everything. Of course. Every new release he comes out with, we give him a special mention. <laughs> Like jujitsu two weeks ago, which I still had to watch. Oh man, I just got Mandy from Amazon on Blu-ray. I'm happy. Nice. Yeah. But yeah, the, I, I can honestly say, yeah, I I don't know. I think this one works better with uh, Defendor, even though Defendor is on a lower level. Uh, I don't think I would have watched Defendor if we weren't teaming it up with Super. I don't see any yeah, other I'm, movie we could have teamed this up with. I wouldn't. I wouldn't have watched it. I wouldn't have watched it. <laughs> so yeah. I would have started with the uh, with the psychiatrist scene. I would have been like, "All right, I'll stick with this." But then when it gets to him trying to take down a detective with the with Cat Dennings' character, I would have been like, "Yeah, it's a no for me, dog." And I would have gave up. Yeah. Uh, but um, yeah. Th- there's it, Defender isn't like the worst movie. I still enjoyed it. Oh, um, it's not. It's not horrible. It's not a horrible movie. Yeah, it, it's just super is definitely above this one, one hundred percent. That's like a no two, contest kind of decision. I think these two are the very extremes of the vigilante culture. Like super is way over the top. Defendor is a little dull. Um, so I think it's a good balance. It's a good balance. So, but uh, yeah, All that right. that was basically that. Those two movies. Right. Uh, so, um, turning the conversation into something else, uh, we said we were going to talk about this huge game-changing move by Warner Brothers, where uh, they have decided to um, take their 2021 lineup of films coming out and uh, stream them stream them simultaneously on HBO Max for the first month and in theaters at the same time. Um, before we get into this, good news for you. They're uh, they're gonna say Wonder Woman uh, nineteen eighty four is gonna be on four K. Yes, it's gonna be the first HBO Max in four K. So originally, when they announced that uh, Wonder Woman was coming to HBO Max, uh, I was like, "Oh yeah, that's gonna be cool. I'm gonna be able to watch it day of. I don't have to worry about going to a theater and everything like that." And then I realized HBO Max it has like a max resolution of ten eighty p. That's gonna suck trying to watch so- that in my like four K. <laughs> So, so you're done bitching now, right? You're, I, I'm, you're, I'm done complaining good. about that. <laughs> good, good, good. Brad's happy. 4K. I, I still might end up going to see that one in a theater, though. Especially because um, Christmas theaters are already kind of a little bit empty and then add the pandemic onto that and might end up being able to take an entire theater. <laughs> listen, man, I think two things could come out of this, and I'm, I'm more optimistic towards one side than the other. I think one thing that happens, Warner Brothers does this, 
other studios look at this and Warner Brothers kind of it doesn't really make its money back. And the other studios go, all right, never mind. They did what they did and it didn't work. The other uh, the other outcome, which I think is going to happen, they're going to make their money back, if not two folds, then tenfold. And other studios, Universal, um, Disney slash Fox, they're going to see this and be like, well, they did what they did and they're getting their money back. We have our own streaming services. Okay, let's do the same thing. Corona yeah. ain't going nowhere. Well, look um, at uh, what was it? Trolls Two. So that right. movie, if it came out in theaters with the same amount of ticket sales as they got uh, presumed viewers, because they presumed every sale was three viewers mm-hmm. when they were doing the sales. If they had that same amount of ticket numbers for the sales, that movie would have bombed so hard. But because of the way that they made the money through the streaming and they didn't have to cut it in so many ways with movie theaters and deals and contracts and everything like that. And they were able to put it Mm -hmm. to streaming services. The movie was one of the biggest commercial successes of 2020. Still, I think, in terms of like a release for a movie, it was one of the biggest commercial successes. So HBO literally has their entire hand in HBO Max. Or Warner Brothers has their entire hand in HBO Max. There's no licensing that they had to worry about. They get to just throw it up there. And they pull in 100% profits from the sales of accounts and everything like that and subscriptions. So for that movie, there's no overhead for them. You know, uh, depending on how they decide to rate, you know, what each value of a watcher is for the subscription model and everything like that. Right. This could end up being one of the most successful December movies of all time, depending on how they decide to model that uh, revenue stream. Right. Like, um, like I said, man, this is, this is a game changer. And I think theaters, and this is who I have like the most, um, like, like, um, I, I feel for theaters, man, like you and I, we're not just film goers, we're cinephiles. So it's a, it's a special kind of, and I, it's not an elitist statement I'm making here. Movie goers are, are are pretty valuable too, but cinephiles like go to like the major theaters, and we also go to like a main art theater. Yes. We go to independent theaters too. We we go to we we, we go all over Redford Theater, all of them. Um, where a film goer, a movie goer goes to like the AMC's, the Cinemarks, the MJRs, the Imagines. Like I'm feeling for them right now because when AMC CEO came on and said, hold up, we just agreed for Wonder Woman to do that. Like he, Warner Brothers did not let us know they were going to do this for the whole lineup. Yeah, and, um, well, they're only doing it for one year, which doesn't seem so much as a what after one year we're going to stop. It seems like one year they're going to monitor everything that's happening and see like yeah. if this is profitable. Because we could end up seeing Warner Brothers move away from movie theaters entirely after this. Because we already have movies like the Zack Snyder cut that are fully HBO Max. Uh, There's talks of the new, there being a Ben Affleck Batman movie that would be just on HBO Max. It wouldn't even have a theatrical release. So there's already talks of HBO Max holding theater level movies to themselves. Let me tell you something, man. Um, I feel like before this becomes a blockbuster versus Netflix tragic situation, I think theaters, AMC, Imagine, instead of falling behind this, they need to get ahead of it. They need to adapt. 
And what I mean by that is, and this is just me spitballing here. I'm not a CEO, but I'm, I'm looking at things from a from a 300 foot uh, view from the top. I think AMC needs to sit down with Warner Brothers and say, okay, look, you made your decision. Let's do this. Anyone who has an AMC A-list subscription, they get a discount on HBO Max. Let's partner together. Mm-hmm. You know, imagine to sit down with Universal and say, hey, anyone who has an Imagine Rewards account or whatever, they get a discount on NBC Universal On Demand. They need to get ahead of this. They need to adapt. Or you have an HBO Max account, but you want to go see it in a theater? Discounted tickets if you go to Imagine or an AMC. Perfect. Yeah. Like the this is you have to adapt to the age of streaming i know theaters don't like it in some in some ways we don't like it but streaming is taking over like again man um you know you got your home theater one day when i get my house i'm gonna build my own home theater there ain't nothing like the real thing but if i'm gonna if i'm gonna choose between paying half a mortgage to take my family to see a movie uh with concessions and tickets prices and they're not budget on that they're not budgeting on that anytime soon I'm going to choose to stay home. Yeah. Unless it's something I really want to see in theaters. Things moving to streaming. This was one of those things that people were like worried about when Netflix originals were becoming a thing. And they started like taking independent films and, you know, making them exclusive to Netflix. So this isn't like a new conversation at all. This is an old conversation that's now being brought up again because of the current climate of everything with the pandemic. And there was actually a time where, you know, movie theaters were going down and then this new pop-up idea came up uh, called movie pass that completely turned around how people, you know, viewed going to the theater. Dude, that was a great resurgence, man. That was the perfect resurgence. Movie theaters probably, you know, a lot of movie theaters probably would not have survived as much as they did because they were already looking to close down movie theaters of some large chains. Like AMC was looking to close down some theaters. Imagine had a couple theaters that they were going to be closing. MJR, you know, uh, I'm trying to remember, Cinemark. Yeah, Cinemark Uh, and then Landmark. Yeah, and Landmark. So they were already closing down movie theaters, and then MoviePass came along, and there was a huge resurgence in movie theaters, and basically every chain went, okay, we got to do this for ourselves. You know, like, we're, we're liking this MoviePass money, but we're watching them run out of money, and they're going to die soon. We got to keep this ball rolling, but in our favor. It was perfect, man. I mean, like, like we we could talk forever on Movie Pass, man, dude. I would never go to the Maple Theater, which if you're a Michigan resident, you know where the Maple Theater is because it's so expensive. Mm-hmm. But with Movie Pass, man, I just strolled right in there, man. Yeah, I en- I enjoyed my twenty dollar uh ticket to see. Well, I didn't pay twenty dollars, but a, a would be twenty dollar ticket to see a movie, and I was like, it's a nice theater, man. I oh, wouldn't yeah. be here if if it wasn't for Movie Pass. It's an old style theater that most people need to like experience movies in that kind of way oh, yes yeah, it's, it's a nice looking theater yeah you should go at least once yeah i want to say what was it uh shape of water and sorry to bother you i saw those movies there i saw shape of water there um and i saw the charlie Theron film i think it was called tully i saw that at birmingham yes. eight Another theater I wouldn't be at if I didn't have the movie pass, which is a great theater. You know, you got reclining seats, you got escalators. Um, Birmingham Eight, I think, is what it's called. 
again, man, Movie Pass it it opened a whole new door to go to any theater you wanted. Yeah, it, it it's sad that Movie Pass is gone, but you know, AMC A list is nice, but it's not Movie Pass. That's for yeah. sure. But like, like I guess tying this all back together, that that caused a perfect resurgence where AMC A list or you know, um, the rewards program with MJR. It's like, okay, you know what? Subscription services, they are in right now. If mm-hmm. people are loyal to you, they will stick with you. Like AMC A-List was a great – I'm not going to say was because they're still in business. It's a great thing, dude. Like, you telling me I can see a 3D film like like seven days out of the week for just $20 a month? Yeah. It, what was it? Two movies a week, uh, including IMAX, 3D, uh, oh, Any movie. No, but you had like two movies a week or something, wasn't it? Or was it three movies a week? No, I think AMC A-List was unlimited, wasn't it? No, there was a limit to it. Um, movie Pass had a limit. Movie Pass was one a day. I want to say, because AMC, you could actually book oh, like right, three right. movies sorry, in a single day, and you could it's literally spend the afternoon in the theater. You're right. It's three movies a week. You You were right. Yeah. You were right. Yeah. Uh, oh, and you could also reserve. So Movie Pass, it had to be day of. You go to the movie it, or theater and you get your ticket. Uh, AMC A list, you could actually reserve it. So I could reserve my ticket for the upcoming Star Wars movie or the new, you know, Marvel movie and get my seat and guarantee it. But it takes up one of the three slots until look, that I, movie. Look, I want to be clear here. I don't think this is the end of movie theaters. I think at some point, I think there is going to be a return to normalcy. There may be a loss of movie theaters, but I think this isn't the end of movie theaters. That's just not going away. Um, this is going to change th- the experience in movie theaters, though, because especially if this continues with streaming services, like putting their big movies on a streaming service as well as releasing it in theaters, uh, you're mm-hmm. going to have less of the standard movie uh, goer going to see that movie day one. It's going to be more of the hardcore fans or the cinephiles or those are the people that are going to go. Because guarantee, like, Star Wars would not be, like, a huge sellout every theater kind of movie if it was also streaming at home on day one. Those theaters would still be packed, mm, but I think, it, it wouldn't have sold out as quickly and for as long because then you had families going with a family of five. Instead, they would sit at home and watch it. See, I don't agree with that. I feel like I feel like it would go both ways. If Endgame 2 came out now, um, well, not not during coronavirus, but if it came out now post COVID, and it, it was streaming simultaneously, I think people would go see it at the theaters and then watch it again the next morning. I, yeah, I think I, so. I'm gonna say the movie that I think is gonna define if it is like the big at theater and at home. See how the split divides is gonna be Godzilla versus Kong. Oh, I thought you were supposed to say Black Widow. Um, Black Widow, we don't know if that's ever coming to streaming. That's probably going to be a theater-only movie still, just because of the deals that Disney has with movie theaters regarding that movie specifically. Dude, I I, I guess, man, but Godzilla versus Kong is not Endgame. Like, the Endgame was 20 years in the... Not 20 years, but um, like 10-plus like, like years in the making. Godzilla vs. Kong is fan service, um, and maybe that's because I'm not a big fan of each of those films, but or I haven't even watched them, but I, I feel like Endgame was like more of an event. Justice League was more of an event. I, I'm and, saying for this deal going on, for the movies oh, okay. that are coming on during this deal. 
because normal moviegoers know Godzilla versus Kong. You know, they know that movie. Uh, I'm trying to think of the other movies that are going to be in this. You have, like, John Wick 4 is going to be in here. Matrix. No, no, Matrix 4. Matrix 4. Uh, John Wick is with Lionsgate. Yep, never mind. Yeah, wrong studio. Uh, Matrix 4. I knew Keanu Reeves' movie. I had that in my head. (laughs) Dude, I cannot wait for the Sopranos prequel, man. I was looking forward to seeing that in theaters, but if it's coming at home, I'm staying at home. Yeah. What's the date on that one? I don't know the exact date, but I know it's part of the lineup. Okay. And the Suicide Squad, your, your boy. James I know Gunn. that one. I'm probably still gonna do the. I might, you know, even if I have to go to buy a hazmat suit the, to go watch that one, I'll go to a theater for it. So, so you feel that way? How I felt about Tenet? I had to see Tenet. Yeah. Uh, um. Okay. All right. Fair enough. Yeah. Uh, I'll rent a, ha- a hazmat suit and I'll drive down to Ohio if I need to. <laughs> I'm looking forward for uh, Dune, man. I know, I know. It's like one of those controversial opinions and everything, but I love the first Dune movie. You know, what it, David Lynch's Dune. Yeah, I. Yeah, David Lynch doesn't even like his own Dune. I I know, <laughs> which is why I love it even more. Uh, it, it's like on that same level as The Room for me. I I I just love that movie. I'll get a kick out of it every time I watch it. Not because I enjoy it, and I think it's a good movie by any means, but man, if that's on TV, I'm not changing the channel. <laughs> you know, one of these days I plan to read that book and actually um, I, I'm going to watch the new Dune first and then check out David Lynch's Dune because I'm a Lynch fan, so of course I'm going to at least see it. Um, you know, Space Jam 2 with LeBron James, like they got some pretty big movies coming to streaming, man. Like this... This I feel like other studios they're either gonna jump ship and say you know what they're 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 gonna nail it and they're gonna make money we got to get ahead of this or mm-hmm. they're gonna wait and see and then jump ahead of it because I think they're gonna make money they they're gonna make money oh yeah streaming is like I said Trolls Two is one of the most successful movies of 2020 just because of how they did the booking and profits yeah. and everything for that movie versus like theaters. Um, I really don't want AMC or any other theater to become a blockbuster. Like when I say blockbuster versus Netflix, and I think you were the one that told me this story. Um, so block, so Netflix was coming up on the the streaming thing, and I think they extended the hand to blockbuster that said let's team up or let's merge. Uh, it was they offered to be bought out by Blockbuster because there you go. they needed the capital in order to continue with their streaming service and everything like that that they were doing. And they didn't have it, so they were looking at their competitors in like the DVD rental space and were like, Netflix or uh, Blockbuster, do you want to buy us? And you'll have full control over our new streaming thing and everything like that. And Blockbuster went, no, we're, we're going to invest in this thing called The Hopper that nobody remembers. <laughs> the Hopper was popular for its time, though. It, it, that it, was basically – that was the fire stick before the fire stick. Right, but nobody remembers it anymore. Nobody ever talks yeah. about The Hopper. But it's like yeah, Cody. So – yeah, that's how that went down, and Blockbuster went, no, you guys are going to fail. Streaming's not going to kick off. Nobody's going to want that. You know. But they didn't take into account college students. Yeah. Netflix needs to thank college students for their success, man. They need to thank college students. Yeah, all the 15 college students that were sharing one Netflix account. They need to thank all of them. Definitely. 
No, it's not 15. It was 20. Yeah. <laughs> um, I lowballed it. Right, you lowballed it. The entire it. floor of one uh, area <laughs> was sharing one Netflix account. Listen, I don't think AMC needs to make a deal. I don't need. I don't think this needs to be a reverse thing where AMC says, "Okay, Disney, you buy us out." Then, because I don't think studios should own theaters. I really no. don't think they should. That that would that that's not fair. But I really think they should get ahead of this and try to make a deal. There needs to be like discount deals and kind of like promotional specials and things going on that it benefits gonna- people on both sides. There's no ifs, ands, or buts. There, there's going to be tough times ahead of them if they don't. Yeah. It, the question is, which movie theater is going to be the first to pull the trigger with a streaming service? Well, you know, AMC already has like their own on-demand thing, which I don't think is really going that well. Um, but I really think they... I, I think either them or um, Cinemark... Is Imagine part of Cinemark? No, they're separate. I think either them, Imagine, or Cinemark is going to pull the trigger. Honestly, I could see Alamo Drafthouse in that same kind of bidding war because they pull Maybe. some weird moves. Maybe. But yeah, we'll see how that all goes through. Because uh, what's the first movie that's actually going to end up hitting that same thing? Is it Wonder, Wonder Woman? Woman? Yeah, yeah. W- we'll see what those numbers look like. And uh, we can see what Disney what Disney's gonna uh, look like with a uh, Pixar Soul uh, coming to Disney Plus. That's right. I forgot. I completely forgot that it was coming to Disney Plus on the same day. And now there's another tie uh, changing. Well, people are kind of like you know, Twitter is kind of like laughing at Disney Plus. Like you guys charged us for Mulan. Warner Brothers yeah. ain't charging us anything for these movies. Oh yeah, when they first announced it, did you see like the text like on the actual poster announcing Wonder Woman nineteen or uh, Wonder Woman eighty four? Mm-hmm. Uh, it wait, literally wait, wait, wait. said, you know, uh, coming to HBO Max, no extra fees, <laughs> like big bold lettering. <laughs> yeah, no extra fees. Yeah, I, I saw that. I saw that preview on YouTube. Yeah, um, they were basically completely grabbing the stick and just poking Disney and going, hey, 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 what you going to do? <laughs> let me tell you something, man. 13-year-old Anthony, like this, I mean, it's still 27-year-old Anthony is mesmerized, but um, 13-year-old Anthony would be through the roof. I'd be like, man, this is the best time of my life to be alive. Like, I, I get to watch these big screen movies from 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 at home. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see how it all goes. The next year is going to be incredible. We're going to see if any other studios jump on that as well because we still have Universal. Uh, Disney, they might start throwing some of their animated movies kind of into their streaming service instead. Uh, but we'll see. Disney's playing Disney's playing it really slow. Like they they're, are. They're trying to see. Well, it's not so much they're playing it slow. It's just their big movie, uh, Black Widow, has so many like contracts with movie theaters that they don't want to allow that contract to dissolve because it could give movie theaters an upper hand on other Disney movies in the future. Yeah, um, yeah, I hear you, but I, I don't think that movie is as big as you're making it, dude. Like, are people really, really looking forward to black widow like that i don't think anymore i think it was mostly because it was like the movie coming after endgame 
Yeah, because I was like, and, and listen, man, I like Black Widow. You know, I think she's a great character. But I was like, I was like, are people really capping for that film like that? Yeah, I think a lot of the hype was it was the movie after Endgame. Uh, I think the real hype for the next like Marvel movie right now is coming from the new Spider Man that's coming. Oh shit! Uh, we got one more thing to talk about too. Um, Black Panther two. So, um, and there's a reason I'm bringing this up. So apparently now they're they're focusing it on Shuri taking yep. over because um, I think that's just how it goes in the comics you know the, the little sister takes over as Black Panther but now there's some controversy I think this is going to blow over but it's at least worth mentioning um, Letitia Wright who plays Shuri uh, um, apparently she got in some hot water uh, because she had shared a video about anti-vaxxing and this connected to the uh, coronavirus vaccine and how like oh well you know how, how do we know what's in this thing and how do we know if we can if take it and we will we'll be all right um i mean like like it like like long story short people got pissed and you know now the cancel culture vultures are coming out um i still think she's gonna be in black panther too like yeah, I don't, she's I don't not think moving from black i have a feeling that after the whole james gunn situation disney's kind of looking at cancel culture and going we're not listening to any of you assholes anymore <laughs> Right, because you can you know complain about somebody unless you have proof of somebody like cutting off baby heads and drinking their blood. We're not canceling any actors or directors or anybody anymore, dude. If Letitia, because we know how this goes, Letitia gets fired. There, there's a petition, bring then, her back. You know, and then Disney, uh, you know, starts sweating, and you know that meme of that guy that's sweating between two options, like, yeah, bring her back and apologize, or bring her back and don't say anything. But either way, bring her back. Yeah, <laughs> like you know, like they 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 they've learned their lesson. They're, oh, and then while like, you know they're doing that whole thing of do, when when do we bring her back? Warner Brothers will come in and grab her and have her star in some new DC movie. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> yeah, Dude, that was a boss move, man. That was a boss move. I I like I I still look back on that with, with all how like you know James Gunn. DC said, you know what, man, come over here, man. We ain't going to cancel you. you well, I think the best part is uh, they literally contacted him and went, is the rumor true? Did did Marvel actually fire you? And he went, yeah. And they were like, so what DC movie do you want to make? The pick is yours. They originally wanted him to make a new Superman movie. Oh, yeah? Yeah, they apparently originally pitched a for him to make a new Superman. He went, no, I don't want to do that. And they went, well, what him. do That's you want to do? <laughs> and he picked Suicide Squad. And I think DC was a little confused by that when he said it, too. And they were just like, okay, you know what? It's all yours. <laughs> just sign the paperwork. But here's my thing. Did he take away David Ayer's job or David Ayer wasn't planning on doing a sequel? Uh, David Ayer already dropped off and said he did not want to do another Suicide Squad. Okay. Okay. Um, so my thing is, I, he's not a... James Gunn is not a Superman guy. Batman, no. maybe. But not Superman. He's definitely more of a team-up thing. But yeah, I think they were just kind of going, we want to make another Superman movie. Here's a big director name. And he turned it down and they were like, well, what else do you want to do? And he was like, Suicide Squad. And they were probably like, but that's a dead franchise. Why would you want that? <laughs> I mean, it made its money, didn't it? How's it dead? It made its money. Um, Barely. I think after marketing and everything like that, it's considered a negative output movie. Oh, I got you. Yeah, um, 
it's funny how, how it's funny how life goes, man. I think Chris Nolan, um, I think he indirectly threw some shade. I don't think I don't think he was really trying to throw shade, but he had said like, you know, when I did my Batman thing, I, I'm paraphrasing heavily here. You know, I just did it because I'm, you know, I just wanted to make Batman movies, or I just, I just, I did my Batman movies, and now there's like a, uh, now there's like a superhero engine in in studios now. I, I don't know how to paraphrase what he said. Did you see the interview? Or I, I you, remember you... what he said. He basically, too, you know, too long didn't read it said that superhero movies are becoming a profit machine now. He made it because he wanted right. to make a fun movie and right. now superhero movies are becoming what people are trying to push out because it makes money. You think he's wrong? Uh not really. <laughs> yeah, I, I uh, cuz Edgar Wright's made pretty much the same statement when it came to Ant-Man and everything where he was like I wanted to make a fun movie but then they tried to make it so it had to be like this big thing and I didn't want that. <laughs> I don't think they listen. I think directors, from a visual sense, they give them creative autonomy, but from a storytelling sense, they run the show. Yeah, like with the like, like with the the new, like um, the people who are in charge of the Star Wars films. Like, I don't think Last Jedi is a Ryan Johnson movie. I think he just directed it, um, and he did a great job. But I wouldn't call it a Ryan Johnson film. Yeah, there's definitely Ryan Johnson aspects to it. There's Ryan Johnson in this aspects, but is it a Ryan Johnson film? I think so. I think it's a Ryan Johnson film. All right. I, see, like Guardians of the Galaxy is a James Gunn film. Oh it's yeah, that one film. is one hundred percent. You can feel the James Gunn coming yeah. off of you know the movie poster. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like Dark Knight is a Christopher Nolan film. It's a DC film, but it's a Christopher Nolan film too. Like, I, I just didn't get that from Last Jedi. Like, I felt like Ryan Johnson was there and he did his job. I, I think he did his job greatly. Um, I know there's, there's, you know, there's politics behind this. I'm not really a diehard Wookiee. But, um, you know, I, I feel like it has some Ryan Johnson-ness to it, but it was a Star Wars film. Right. Yeah. It, there's definitely some parts that you can tell were, like, pushed by Disney and everything like that. But overall, that that's a whole other discussion. Discussing that new trilogy. Yeah, it's a whole. Yeah, it's a whole nother discussion. Yeah, I, I don't want to jump into that because we'll be sitting here three hours later and going, "Hold on, were we supposed to be like cutting this podcast off at some point?" <laughs> See you guys next episode. Thanks for tuning in.